Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Boulder, Colorado, the show of Armagnac. Today's guest is one of the two handsome owners of the Roosevelt Room here in Austin, Texas, the GQ cover model himself, Justin Lavin. And we talk about education, we talk about ambition, but mostly we talk about not having the ability to just keep things quiet for just a moment and enjoy the things that you've achieved. It's something that Justin and I both can learn from, and maybe in the future we'll stop working every single day. But I swear this is not boasting. We're just trying to get some shit done. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Justin Lavenue. It's kind of funny being on, you know, having just bought a bar and then being on the cover of GQ and, yeah. you know, I'm probably the brokest guy to ever be on the cover <laughs> of GQ. So. <laughs> but you never, so here's the good thing about you, if, at least from what I've noticed, you walk into a room and people are like, man, that guy's really well put together. Like in terms of his style, it's like, so you, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're still, you're portraying, the, you're walking the walk, it feels like. Uh, yeah. It looks good. What's the, what's the, what's the line in American Beauty? It's like. Uh, in order to be successful, one must portray the image of success. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Peter Gallagher, right? Yeah. With the browser. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Do you, does it matter to you if other people think you're successful, or does it just matter to you that you are successful? I think I've always just been intri- intrinsically motivated, Yeah, really. I mean, I don't really, ever since I was little, I just remember like any accolade I'd get. Well, I'd work really hard for it, and the second I got it, it just was out the door. I didn't even think about it ever again. Next, next milestone? Yeah. Do you ever take that time to just make sure you enjoy some of those moments because they're fast and they're few? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, there's the there's the moment that it like sinks in. Yeah, real quick, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And How then, long do you dwell on it? Uh, dwell might not be the right word, but you you gotta spend you gotta spend some time with it, right? Chew it over. Yeah, I it, I guess it just depends on what it is. Yeah. You know? GQ I, though, I mean, I, I can't s- think for the the immediate future something that's larger. I agree. I don't present. think that's even sunk in yet, really. No? No. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe that's what keeps you humble. Yeah. You feel like, because you always seem accessible, very humble. Like You've done a lot of shit and <laughs> no one would be the wiser. You don't ever talk about it. Well, yeah, I think just my standards for myself are, are really high. So I don't think I've really done too much then. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that's a someone who's eager or ambitious, you know? Definitely. Do, do, do you think you've... Did you? How did you learn how to be a gentleman? I think that's something for for us as modern men, right? That there's got to be some kind of role model or some kind of example that's set for us for us to carry on the way that we do. Yeah, treating women well, which you do, speaking articulately, which you do, having manners, good fashion. Like, where did you learn this stuff for you? Uh, that's a good question. I think my parents split when I was four. Yeah, and so I I would spend half time with my mother, half time with my father. Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately they like they just didn't want me to fall in their same footsteps of like getting divorced when they were really when their kids were so young or you know they were like I think they were thirty 
something. That's like, a, yeah, that's. I mean, it's normal. You were four, yeah. so they got married, or yeah. at least twenty mid twenties for that, right? Yeah. So I'd spend half time with each, and you know, my my mother would always, you know, teach about you know treating women with. I yeah. they both would, but sure. you know, my mother would like sit at the door, bef- and my make my brother hold it for her. Like, yeah, she'd, that's like, great. We'd walk, we'd, we'd walk up to the mall, and she'd like just stand at the door, and then we'd be like, oh God, mom. <laughs> Oh. But it's lost, right? Yeah, totally. There's how do you, how do you feel about? And I, I grew up the same way, single mom for a long, long time. And I feel like it injected this sense of of chivalry in me because not because I you, it wasn't feminism or anything like that. But it's like you hold a door open for the elderly, you hold a door open for women, right? I mean, that's Absolutely. just how, how it goes. And I kind of wonder why it's been lost now i'm making the assumption and i'm making the statement that it has been lost but do you feel like younger guys just don't have that same sense of respect for their elderly or women in general maybe it's maybe it's relating back more to like gender equality and stuff you know it's yeah like there's double standards i guess that guys should always hold the door for women and right. maybe some guys are you know being i'm not taught. doing that what do i yeah it's like why? Why would is why is it just all the girls that get the door held for them? Yeah, know? I don't know. Why is it? No, I think that's a good point. But it, like in some sense, it the scales tipped a little bit. There yeah. maybe it was equal at one point. And it, I mean, obviously it's never equal, in like at least in the corporate world. But maybe socially, yeah, some some equality there. And then so you think guys are just kind of like, oh, why do I have to do that? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Dude. <laughs> but they should, right? Like yes. let, let's let's put that as a as a fucking ground rule. Guys should be chivalrous and guys should open the door right absolutely yeah th- that is in essence being a gentleman absolutely so where 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 was your mom like where did she develop you think this sense of making sure that you guys were upstanding gentlemen I, yeah really i just think it was like she didn't want she didn't want us to, to end up in divorce you know so yeah. i think treating she always stressed treating women with respect and you know, being polite, and right. and then my father would be the same. You know, he he wanted the same thing for her, so he he taught us like the men's standpoint. Like this is right. how this is how a man should treat a lady, and then my mom would teach us this is how a lady likes to be treated, kind of thing. You know, so, so you get a kind of nice equal kind of representation both ends of it. Of course. So where where was so I know a little bit. You know, we've known each other for for years now. I think even since you kind of came into to Austin from yes. from yeah. Boulder, right? Yeah. But I don't know much about where you grew up. Where did did you grow up? So you're saying your parents got this split when you were four. Mm-hmm. So you had some time in Texas, but where did you end up yeah, growing up? I was born in Austin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we moved briefly to Albuquerque, and that's where my brother was born. Oh, cool. Was, younger brother. Yes. How much younger is he? He's uh, just just younger than two years. Okay. So a year, year and ten months. S- similar industry at all? No. Completely <laughs> different. We are totally different polar thing. opposite. He's short. You're tall. Same. No, he he's tall, but he's. We just just in terms of like our our demeanor, like yeah, he is so laid back. Like you don't it, think you're laid back? Uh, well, I I guess not in ten, in terms of like maybe uh personal goals for ourselves, like gotcha, ambition. Gotcha. Like he's he's cool as a cucumber. He, you give him, you know, a little bit of income and, uh-huh. and he's good. Uh, yeah, and he's but for you, like, it's like you got to keep that next thing. That yeah, keep ticking. Yeah. Totally, totally understand. That. Um, which I love him for it. I mean, we're, yeah. we are t- polar opposites in that. You sense. guys get along so, pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Now we do. We didn't when we were younger, but <laughs> vi- you know, vying I for your my brother. Seat. I wrestled him to fucking the ground a lot of times. Now he can take me. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a foot taller than me. He could probably take me now. Yeah, he's he's bigger than I am. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was the question? No, what but so answering? how yeah. was it growing? So you were in Austin. Yeah. Okay. You guys moved to Albuquerque. That's right. What, was that around kind of when your folks split? Uh, we moved back to Austin for briefly, and then they split. And mm-hmm. my mom uh, took us up to Colorado to be with her family, mm-hmm. uh, her parents. 
So I lived with my grandparents and her for a year or two years. Oh, really? Uh, Is your dad still in Austin at that point? My dad actually went to France to pursue his PhD. Oh, wow. In, so, in what? Uh, in uh, hydrogeology. Hydrogeology. Interesting. Yeah. Was that part of what? Because he's a very charismatic guy too. Marsh, Definitely. right? Yes. Good, good guy. Great role model and stuff. And so when when he got back, so it's a year and a half for you, for you I guess, and your brother too, hanging out in, in Colorado. What did he end up doing with the the degree? Did he end up working in oil or? Uh, he he actually works for hydrogeology and he's the CEO at, oh, cool. uh, at a local firm called Intera. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. So, um, yeah, he moved. So he finished up his PhD in France. He moved to Colorado. Um, was able to work, you know, like um, satellite office yeah, for his yeah. company, and uh, we grew up there. Spent twenty years in Boulder. Very cool. Went to decided to go to college there. Uh, just to stay around family. And what, what were you studying? I studied, uh, I was an advertising major for three years. Okay. And uh, I went to New York City one day uh, to just kind of like talk to some creative ad majors mm-hmm. or creative ad guys that worked sure, in sure. a lot of the big firms out there. Ogilvy. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, the, the the main thesis I got from every one of them was I work my ass off and I'll I'll like work for a th- you know a month on... Uh, a single campaign and right. I spread, put all my work out on this table and they create, you know, the ad director, put your art, our director. Into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just come up and just be like, Nope. Nope. Fuck. That's gotta suck. Yeah. Dude, I wrote this record. Check it out. It's my, my life's work. And I like like half a track. Yeah. God damn. That, that 10 like seconds deflating. is really good. Work on that 10 seconds a lot more. We might have something. It's insane. Does that ever bother you that like that all mot well, at least all commoditized art and advertising things, comes down to one dude thinking that he knows exactly what's going on. Totally. It's kind of fucking frustrating, isn't yeah. it? And it, imagine that it's a tad bit homogenous too in advertising. If, if it's just that, yep. the the 1%, if you will, Absolutely. making the call on all the art. Like No wonder it's in shambles. This one Simon Cowell that just comes in and <laughs> yeah. ruins your life, man. Are they, are they, are they typically dicks? I don't, who knows? Art directors, I mean, yeah. art directors in Austin the, are pretty good. I just think the, the art directors are meant to be really firm. So anyways. Firm, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. So, so, so you get back doing, on track. There. Yeah, no, no, no. So you're doing advertising in yeah. college. But how was, because I, I imagine you're a really driven guy, right? And so you're really intelligent and you're very calculated. And so I understand the, the playing college, doing advertising and stuff and work. But taking, taking a step back just a little bit, like in high school, what kinds of stuff were you into? Because I, I just kind of wonder where you came to be as the wonderful renaissance guy that you are. But like, what was it like in high school? What kind of stuff were you into? Uh... Man, I don't know. I think that actually I got bullied a lot in ninth Did grade, you? so I think that probably helped me being a little more humble. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bullying is a humbling yeah, experience. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, and then I changed schools and I, I I went back to the little city, little town right outside of Boulder, Colorado, that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to like elementary school and stuff like that, and uh, so connected with some old friends, and then that thankfully that stopped, but. Um, we, I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Were you like? Kinda, did you like? Did you kind of? Clock towards English, science. Were you in debate or anything like that? Uh, I was. I was on the basketball team. Okay, basketball and volleyball sense. team. Yeah. Um, wanted. I decided early on that I wanted to do some creative. So I, yeah. like, from sophomore year high school, I was like, I think I'm gonna be in advertising. Interesting. So fast we, forward six years. Yeah, going to college I, in Boulder. Right? Going to college in Boulder. Get back from this trip from New York City, and. Uh, I was like, shit, I really don't want to do advertising anymore. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to spend that much like time. How do you feel like your dreams have been dashed? Yeah. Like, how did that feel getting back? Oh, man. I, it was, I, I, was, I, I remember I have actually a picture on my phone of a phone call that I made to my, my father, and I was like, 
Dad, I know you just spent a lot of money on college the last yeah. three years for me, but sorry, mate. <laughs> I gotta change majors. I don't think I want to do this. And he's like, what? "What's going on?" And he's like, "Yeah, I explained it all to him." Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, fuck that." Good. <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's great. You had his support. Yeah. So, uh, so I changed. I, I just, I just did a little bridge into marketing. Yeah. And the business school. So I decided to kind of use some similar sure it's some yeah. of the same coursework I'm exactly sure. yeah absolutely so and you have to start all over you know i didn't have to start completely so. all over but i did have to you know completely change schools within cu right from, from right. ad school to the business school so i basically became from i went from being a first semester senior to a first semester sophomore gotcha yeah so set me back a couple of years uh graduated when i was 20 about to be 23 that's pretty good man it's not bad it's not bad i spent six years if it's any con- condolence yeah. <laughs> um but it's actually good because the i slacked off a lot my freshman year of college just what i mean oh, well, there's this there's the a big, dorms yeah you know the adjustment right because yeah. you were living on campus i imagine right yeah yeah so slacked off more than i usually do i should say mm-hmm uh, but then, which means you you missed a class a semester. I, I suspect your your <clears throat> threshold for slacking off is a much stricter than a, the rest of us. I'd say that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I slept in for one class. I still showed up, but I was late. Like, yeah, there was like one chapter I didn't read for one of these tests. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just I'm gonna drink myself into sorrow here, like just paling in comparison to your efforts here, Justin. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that was good. I actually, they actually added uh, a couple of years, um, helped build up my GPA. I actually graduated, graduated valedictorian in the business oh, school. Did you really? Yeah. What? So, what did you ever fuck up to that point? Did you ever like make a misstep? <laughs> did you ever like fail a test? Like you're this, you know, this this Michael Fassbender statuesque kind of dude, and the rest of us who are sub six feet <laughs> aren't on the cover of GQ. Like we're thinking to ourselves. This guy, it's too good to be true. There's got to be like some kind of seedy underbelly to this whole thing, man. No, I, Nothing. Yeah, I don't know, man. I s- Basketball team. I'm sure you did well with the ladies. I, I, well I have enough. to assume. I was, well I was, I was, in, I was kind of an awkward, you know, I was, I'm tall. Yeah. I was gangly in high school. Like, sure. I, I just didn't know what to do with my arms. You grew into a body you didn't know how to operate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thought I wanted to be a snowboard bum for like my junior <laughs> You're team and senior. Tall though, right? Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Oh, dude, it was it was bad. So thankfully, my freshman year, I snapped my wrist in half snowboarding. Oh, shit, I was like, really? that's the end of that. Yeah. Did you ever go back? No. Well, I, I would go like every now and then, but not, but not really seriously. You couldn't pursue it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's uh, good. So socially, it seems like college is pretty good. You kept on track. You valedictorian, you said, and. You ended up with a business admin degree or marketing degree from CU? Uh, yeah, business administration with marketing, yeah. And then an entrepreneurial emphasis. Very cool. Yeah. Did you end up doing uh, any internships or anything, getting your feet even more yeah. wet? Yeah, Good. did a couple marketing internships. and But, I, you know, um, the, the when I decided to change majors to marketing, uh, about six months prior to that, I had begun bartending. And I think that was like, no became like my, my creative outlet. Did you Did you need to work? Like to to pay the bills and stuff, or just something to get you out of the dorm? Uh, you know, my dad was, uh, he, he, he had a when he grew up, he had a father that uh, wanted him to make it on his own, right, a little right. bit. So he would like every summer he'd send him off to get this like really shitty summer job, right? Like one of them was like a welding assistant, just in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. So my dad did the same thing to me a couple times. Like <laughs> I, I had to work in the oil fields of Oklahoma. A couple no of, shit. What were you doing there? Uh, yeah, I was just like a roustabout. I, I was a, a, 
an assistant to guys that would set up oil compressors. Did you have to dig a lot of stuff? No, but I did have to like, I would, you know, had to work uh, basically these big oil tanks. Yeah. We would just go around and service them and, and fill them up. And oh, that's crazy. All around BF, Oklahoma. BF, like, Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, western parts of Texas or eastern parts of Texas and western parts of Arkansas. Damn. So pretty. Did you, what do you do socially there? Or you just work? But nothing. Down? Nothing, yeah. right? It was two months during the summer of being alone because I lived in my uncle's uh, apartment. How and old were you then when you went over to Oklahoma? I was, uh, it was my summer going into my junior and senior year. So I was 16 and 17. Damn. Yeah. So you're getting, you're going to earn the value of hard work. Oh, dude, thing, it right? was, yeah. And, and trust me, I did. Like, yeah. My, my pops was like, man, you've had it easy up until now. Like these little jobs. <laughs> I'm shipping your ass to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that quickly, I mean, these guys, you know, the guys that I, I, you know, helped out with or worked alongside, you know, they army vets yeah. that you know seen it yeah weren't weren't that intelligent so this is like that was their life you know that they did that every every day for some of the guys have been there for 12 years were you guys able to i always find those guys kind of riveting because they've got stories i'll never ever have heard yeah and things i would have never experienced i mean did you guys imagine even though you're the young guy did you have anything you guys could bond over uh women women (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) no i mean they you know they were some really crass, like oh, I bet. Southerners that you know. No respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so whistling, hollering. That, that's right? mostly what we bonded over was like they would tell me these stories, and I'm like, man, I would never want to be like that. Yeah. So, but you knew how to adapt, I imagine. Yeah, I, I would just, I would just nod nervously and smile. And I, like, <laughs> I think they'll they'll put me in one yeah, of these exactly. wells if I don't yeah, just like exactly. nod a lot. Yeah. We're like, oh man, yeah, my mom would hate you. All right. <laughs> But in your head, though, it's still like you're very conscious of the fact like this is not how I want to be yeah, as a man. Right? Absolutely. Sometimes that's what I think is most helpful is not determining what you like in the world, but determining what you think are bad examples and then rebelling against that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. So so sounds like an epic summer. You yeah. spent the whole fucking summer out there? Yeah. Damn, dude, hot. I mean, it's really hot. Oh, man. In the oil fields in Oklahoma, oh. it's like one, you know, 110 God, usually. Man, really? Yeah. And then you're out in the beating sun, you know, for five hours on yeah. end setting up this compressor that you know that's is crazy that's insane so i came back with a tan a little bit of money <laughs> in my pocket and a determination to never to never have, have a job like that again but your but your but your dad he could just send you again right not now not, well not now <laughs> if he could, well justin i'm gonna yeah, exile exactly. you to vermont like yeah. <laughs> hey great job with the bar uh so here's this <laughs> I actually have different plans for you. <laughs> That's the part. Yeah. Uh, you know. You know how I'm. I don't even know that he's an investor. Let's just say he's an yeah, investor. He is. He's yeah. Like investor, my yeah. my father is as well. It's like, yeah. So so uh, part of the. I don't know if you read the contract, but I can sell you. I can send you to Dubai yeah. for a summer, <laughs> just to keep shit in check. Make sure you're not getting like just your head's on straight still. Yeah. The manual labor and stuff. So you you develop this respect, I imagine, for the diversity of people, but still maintaining. What is your gentlemanly quality, working hard and all of that? And you finish up at CU. What year did you graduate? You uh, the fall of 2011. 2011, okay. Yeah. But you had been working in, what was that first kind of bar or cocktail experience like for you? I was actually in an Indian restaurant. No shit. Yeah. Oh, cool. I started as a busser. Um, the, it was a really small family-owned Indian restaurant. Yeah. And uh, my girlfriend at the time had been a server there, and I was just looking for a, for a, a gig because going back on all this 
my dad wanted me to kind of sink or swim. So he did. Yeah. He kind of he paid for tuition, but he didn't pay for much else other than that. So, sure. It's like you get an education, but you survive. Yeah. Exactly. That's, so but that's like, respectable. My, my, totally. My parents did the same thing. Yeah. It makes you it makes you stronger. It really does. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, he's like you know you're on your own for rent and and uh, you know beer money any beer money yeah, yeah. totally so had to get a had to get a job uh, started as a busser like didn't make jack as a busser sure. and I was like man these bartenders are doing all right for themselves so was so there was there a proper bar at the Indian restaurant yeah yeah, yeah. there was it was small uh, but you know I was like all right well that, I got I just got to start bartending I'll be all right yeah so I, every every day I'd come in and be like, Hey Paul, do you need, another, you need someone to learn how to bartend? You need, uh, my Paul's my boss. Yeah. And, uh, finally, you know, like three months into it, uh, Paul was like, Hey, you know, our bartender didn't show up. He's like, All right, man, yeah, get behind the bar. I was no clue what I was doing. <laughs> didn't know that none of us do. Yeah. Right? No, didn't know the beer, what the beers were that we had on draft. Didn't know the proper gin what the fuck is that exactly <laughs> yeah my first the, i remember the first gin and tonic i ever made it was like probably six ounces of gin and a <laughs> splash of tonic and the, so that's what you're gonna make me drink after this I yeah think. exactly right? six to one yeah uh but yeah but i loved it i mean you know, despite not knowing anything about it i, I really enjoyed being back there so what would it what, what uh, dr- draws you to it is it the details the differences in colors flavors like what exactly is i've i've i thought about this question a lot yeah. actually um, for me, and I think a lot of people are the same way, uh, bartending kind of, you have to be a weird master of a lot of different schools of thought, sure. right? It's like right. You know, on every given interaction, like you take an order, you make an order, mm-hmm. but it seems so simple, but you just have displayed like, um, you know, uh, some mastery of psychology, or right. of oh, yeah. uh, economics, of mathematics, of um, you know, culinary, you know, in the, in the physical aspect yeah, of it, yeah. you know, actually producing the yeah, drink you're, correctly. You're, it's transactional, but also psychological. That's a great Absolutely. element to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, every every kind of school of thought in some sense could, yeah. could play its way into into bartending or in your, if not every individual interaction, but definitely at least throughout the shift. You yeah. Know? So that's it's kind of a cool so thing. So it was there. basically like, the, I don't even know how to, to think about it, but the, the variety pack of life that you got to experience in one place. Yeah. Yeah. You get to know people psychologically. Mm-hmm. You get to understand their motivations. Yeah. You get to transactionalize. I'll just make that a word. Yeah. <laughs> a drink, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And then, but it's also sensory because you're. That's it's a really you get to good be point. creative. I mean, yeah, you yeah. get to like you know, if someone comes up and don't. You need to. Uh, think on your feet. Think right? on your feet. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And then you know, it's also like if you're working with someone else, it's kind of like a dance. You know, you right. gotta have to work with that person. So it's teamwork, right there. Were you it's, Patrick Swayze or Jennifer Grey? Uh, yeah. At that point, more Jennifer Gray probably, definitely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely more. Um, <laughs> how long, so how long were you behind that bar there at the Indian spot? Uh, I was there. So uh, I bartended for three months, and then the the bar, the the owner, Paul, was like, hey, man, you seem to take this really seriously. Yeah. How, do you, how, how do you feel about making a menu for us that kind of like works with these flavors? No kidding. Like work After with three months? Food. Yeah. Amazing. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> Uh, I'll put lentils in a cocktail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, garam masala. Like, yeah, done. totally. So uh, that was like the first, you know, first time I, I was like, shit, I need to actually learn about all this stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need to just learn how to like, you know, how to make a margarita. I need right. to learn why, why a margarita works, you know, yeah. why a these flavors work together. in a sense. Totally. Why does it be? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> why Absolutely. It, yeah. Which uh, is interesting because I think that, that, Maybe because you're so focused on 
get the details around things and like understanding things on a finer level because that's what gives you the minutia and the nuance you can talk to it that it's like perfect for you in an academic sense right yeah it's like well you got here's your test you got to make a menu you're like whoa, 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 whoa i didn't study for this yeah and then so. you go back right yeah that's that's very true man there you go maybe that's why it drew me to it so much it's yeah like, it is very I academic not prepared. uh but had the, was, had the menu turn out it was it was it was it took me six months yeah uh, is that <laughs> so, what they expected yeah. six months yep uh, but it was kind of cool because the, the first cocktail bar in, uh, Colorado in Boulder had just opened like right about that time. So what I would, it's called? It called the bitter bar. Oh yeah. Right, right. Um, and, uh, so I would go in there all the time as this young, very green bartender yeah. and just pick these guys brains that knew more than I did. Um, and be like, you know, I'm thinking about this flavor with this space spirit and kind of this. And they're like, eh, no, you gotta tweak that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I go back and I'd come, come back the next, next day or next, you know, weekend. And, right. So they kind of, these guys kind of like you helped me. You just ran ideas off of them. Yeah, totally. And we, we would test stuff out together. And so I got to know them really well, uh, was always in. And uh, after about three years of being, uh, I was quickly, I was made the bar manager right. of the Indian restaurant. Yeah, right. Worked for about two years, an additional two years there. And then- um, was it, So had to, you finished school yet when you're still at the Indian spot? I was, yeah. Um, and then I, right before I graduated, I moved over to the Bitter Bar uh-huh. um, and- quickly went from the uh from a bar manager to yeah. a bar back <laughs> so uh, interesting but yep. it made a different caliber though i mean you talk yeah. about a place that's dedicated to cocktails exactly yeah but so was there kind of an interesting dilemma because you've got some traction professionally in the bar industry and you, you, you did some stuff at the indian place right your first menu kind of transitioning into what is really like a, a dedicated cocktail bar with some bites and things like that but you also now have this degree in business admin with a an emphasis in entrepreneurialism. Yes. Yeah. So is it an interesting dichotomy to kind of say, if I go down this path, let's say with bitter bar, that's going to be, that's a lap that's like three years long, Yeah. you know, or I can drop it and go try to enter corporate America. Like how did you feel about that kind of dilemma? Well, that's, I think that's the thing is early on, I kind of decided that I wanted to do something for myself. Yeah. Uh, So, the not I, working for a big, not yeah, being nameless and faceless. Yeah, and the idea was actually to, uh, right before I graduated um, from college, I had started thinking about some bar products and bar tools that I wanted to create and right, come out with, right. and and so that was going to be my, you know, that was going to be my bridge. That's your thing. That's that was my corporate legs. corporate world bridge, meeting my bartending love for bartending. Right, right. So I would create this bartend bar tool bar product company yeah yeah and still be very much in the industry but also you know use my business yeah acumen. you have yeah. something to you go home and you got something to yourself yeah right you don't have to fucking ask you own it yeah you own the concepts yep. you own the, the division and all that that's that's a nice contrast to have yeah you know so how did it, did that still did you still remain pretty firm to having that kind of balance between your own endeavors entrepreneurial and then also working at yeah, Bitter Bar. Yeah, I was you know I was working on developing these little tools and stuff throughout my time at Bitter yeah. Bar, uh, to the point where a couple of them got pretty close to having a final, you know, mock up. Yeah. Um, and uh, then decided this this opportunity to open a bar in Austin with uh, one of the partners at Bitter Bar. Right, came up right. And he's like, that is why because ultimately because that's when you when I met you when you moved to Austin. Yes. This person, I mean, it's James, right? Who guess James? He's, he's, he was a nice guy and he came to Austin for a bit. But he had full intention. He's like, here's a great opportunity, Justin. You're my right-hand man at Bitter Bar. I'm going to open a spot. I'm scouting out spots in Austin and I want you to be the bar manager, I guess, right? Yes. 
And so that happens. You get introduced in Austin. What did you think of Austin when you came? Loved it from second I second I reminiscent of Boulder. Uh, a lot yeah. less white people here versus <laughs> Boulder. But a lot, a lot. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But no, I mean Austin is just it's very similar to Boulder, but um, more laid back and just bigger. Yeah. You know, there's more to do. Um, Boulder is is I like that city a lot, but mm. man, it's it's like a little utopia. It is. Yeah, yeah it's very insular. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of diversity. I loved it. Weather's good. But I mean, I if I wasn't like a mid thirties you know, fucking white guy with a master's <laughs> degree, like am I gonna really like it the yeah. same? I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. But it's it's the weather's good, people are cool, everybody's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You know, fucking boulder. Everybody's got a nose ring too. Yeah, everyone's nose? everyone's got really nice bodies and really terribly dressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck That's, in the Boulder's mid nineties. It's think. so funny. Boulder has gotten all these. They're like no, like number one foodie town. They're the most fit, uh, most educated, right? Uh, more stressed. More stressed. Yep. Maybe that's the the curse. You yeah. know, like it, you, you ever watch the Twilight Zone at all? Yeah. Way back in the, there, there's and it's Futurama makes this reference to it. But so it's like the world's gone. All you ever wanted to do was read, and so now you've got all the books in the world, but your glasses break. Yeah, dude, right? I remember that's, that was that was so good. Exactly, and that's the thing. It's like you got everything, Boulder, but you dressed like shit. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry, but you do. I mean, and I, I don't know. I didn't even notice because everybody was all bundled up when I went. But, but coming to Austin, very similar vibe, but still probably larger, a lot more different types of people. And did you, were you guys making, did you guys have traction on finding a spot in Austin? Uh, we that, That's the thing was, we didn't. So we uh, got out here and James, my my business partner, uh, or going to be business partner was uh, we were scouting out locations, yeah. uh, looking for uh, looking for a um, you know a venue, and uh, we kind of he 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 didn't plan quite right to to uh, be able to financially afford just being out here, right, you know, right. not working, looking for a spot. So um, around no, uh, I moved in August, and around November after is this a thirteen. Yeah, Thursday. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I moved right? August thirteen, uh, around right around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple months later, James was like, "Yeah, I got to move back to Colorado, work, and you're gonna be my guy on the ground." You know, right. like you'll you'll if, if, scout spots out, scout yeah. talent, all of it, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, he goes, and I don't hear from him. He you doesn't know? even I, like keep in touch. No, he like I text him and hey man, how's life going out there? Haven't heard anything from our from our broker, right? Uh, you know, haven't seen it, haven't looked at any places, you know, has, has Dean found any spots? You've heard anything from him? Do you, do you right, need to go right. look at any of these locations? No, not a peep. Nothing. Nothing, not a peep. Do even... you still have family here at least? I have family. Yeah, my, cool. my father's So you have here. some support system here yeah. at least. You're not left, as they say, not left with a dick in your hand sitting in Austin without totally. any money. Okay. One, of the, one of the reasons I wanted to come out and pursue that was because my father was here. Gotcha. So okay. he, he had moved. Uh, about five years prior to come mm-hmm. down and take over his company from Colorado to exactly yeah. So had a support system with with him here, but that's good. That's definitely good. Yeah, uh, but yes, yeah, so just don't Nothing, hear people right? from him. And then then right around Christmas time, I like I just had to put it out there. I was like, look, man, I I like uprooted my life to to come out because of this this gesture of good faith with you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he sends me back a text that was like, dude, you and I were never business partners. Like, what the fuck? You serious? Yeah. He's so what like, what did he expect that you were gonna do out here for him? No, man. I was just like you like your constant inquiries are make is like and thinking your business partner is even more annoying than like you constantly texting me and bugging me. It's right. Like, what the fuck? That's man. fucked, man. Yeah. Well, but it's, it's the a, best thing that's ever happened to me. Because you learned a, a hell of a lesson, I imagine. Yeah. 
Because what, what, so to articulate that lesson, because I went through a very similar lesson this year, or rather last year now, now that we're in 2016. But for, if you were, if this was a, a, a public speech, something to motivate people, what was that fucking lesson? Because I think I know what it was, but tell me, what was that lesson you learned with James? What, what do you think it is? I, well, I think it is either get it in writing. Yes. Or don't trust people that are fucking idiots. Yeah. Either way, that's the inarticulate way. Exactly. But get it in writing, right? Yeah. Get a contract. Definitely. But I mean, truthfully, it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Because yeah. I was I was young and naive and thought that like, you know, five or ten percent of this company that I was gonna work my ass off for would right. be worth it. But uh I actually it's so funny, Julie Reiner, who owns Pega Club. Right, yeah. Uh when I was at the bar, she's like, Yeah, if, when I was taking bar in New York City. Uh-huh. Actually, and I want to talk about that in a second too when you deal. Uh, yeah, you know, she was like, you know, if you, if if you ever get proposed or propositioned, uh, with five or ten percent ownership, yeah. and you have to put money into that, that Don't is never it. a good deal because yeah. you're just buying yourself a job. That's and right. That's your. It's hardly ever going to pay for itself unless it's wildly successful. Absolutely. So or, or there's you know plenty of money on the books already. Exactly. Multi million dollars. Yeah. Five and ten. Exactly. So for this small startup that we were going to get, I was going to get like 10% after like two years. You right. Know? Like I, it would have been awful. I would have been working the same amount for a lot less. Yeah. Uh, and just giving up money just yeah. to make some money in two and years. Yeah. For, for no recognition. So uh, it is truly is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And Did, I mean, was it even like a dark period for you? Or you just like, you just move forward and you adapt? Because you no, seem like but, just the adaptive kind of guy. Like you don't yeah. let it get you down. Well, what, what, prompted it what prompted me reaching out to him with this kind of like all right what's the deal was i'd gotten a job offer from chris with half step yeah to, to go and train from sasha right you know it was like look i just got this opportunity uh to go and train with like one of the greatest the guys people, ever yeah. To, to yeah to to train people in this industry you know one of the forefathers of it do i need to know right now am i gonna do you, should i go down this path and learn from this guy and maybe you know if you're gonna come back yeah well, start something then, but this is like a at least a year long commitment right. that I have to make to this place. Uh, and that's when he was like, "Yeah, just whatever. go do your thing." Uh, you know, fuck off. So you knew it was done. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was it was fine because I had this other opportunity which I would never trade the world for. I got to yeah. learn directly from Sasha. Did you go out to New York to learn? Uh, he came to he came to Austin. How long was he here? He was here for I think like a little over a month, month and a half, something. No like kidding. That. Uh, Training most of Chris's stuff. The first, the the initial six, yeah. Who were the six initially? Myself, Whitney, right. uh, Hobbs, uh, Brian Floyd, Florian, um, Rob Crabtree, yeah. uh, George, uh, St. John. Mm-hmm. Um, was she out there too? No, no she came on right after that. Josh? Uh, Josh came on after that after as well. After that too? Yeah. yeah. So many great people coming through that place. It's yeah. To, but that was that experience. I mean, so now in hindsight even, knowing that you worked with one of the greats and I, you know, full disclosure and I've never met Sasha and I, I don't know a lick about him except the kind of impact he's left on other people that I do know closely. Yeah. How now knowing how things turned out for him, how was that experience for you? Is it even more important now? Uh, you're saying like learning from Sasha? Yeah. It was like, again, something I would never trade for the world. You know, I was one right. of the, we, the half step crew were one of the last group batch of, bartenders Sasha, he ever Sasha trained Ites. yeah exactly yeah you know he, he passed away a couple months ago and uh it's 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 i think that he had only trained like maybe one or two other staffs since then so yeah. we like got one of his last most refined 
training programs. Right. Hands-on, personalized. Exactly. That. What was your impression of him? I, I never him. met him. I love the guy. Eccentric? Uh, no, not at all. Just really calm, very, like very, mild-mannered? Very calm, mild-mannered, very polite. Mm. Um, you know, he was he was truly like the classic gentleman. Really? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. How'd you feel about when you heard, when you heard he passed? I was, it broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tough um, for, for people and... Again, I'm not going to masquerade around as if I, I knew Sasha went out, but you can just feel the the presence that, that he had with people and that impact and that kind of impact. Oh, my God, yeah. You know? I mean, it's kind of insane how much of an impact he really had yeah. on this modern cocktail movement. People don't realize it, but, you know, like Milk and Honey was like the original speakeasy in New yeah. York City. Mm-hmm. You know, he opened it below a, an apartment, you right. know, apartment building, whatever. And in his lease, you know, he's like, he pretty much had to tell the landlords, like, you will not know I'm there. Yeah. You have to, like. Just let me do it. Yeah. Do they, like, that's the only way they would let him, they would give it to him. If, like, if you don't disturb your upstairs, you know, gotcha. uh, neighbors, then you can open this spot. And uh, so that's where the, like, the rules of, you know, etiquette come from. When you walk into a cocktail bar yeah. and they're like, you know, no flash photography, no talking on your phone, mm-hmm. you know. Take your hat off, all this kind of stuff. Keep it classy. Keep yeah. it classy. That's Sasha. You yeah. know, he he had to do he did it out of necessity because if someone's yapping on their phone or yelling or anything like that, you know, he's could potentially get kicked out. Right. So it was a, it was out of necessity. He had to write these rules yeah. of rules of you know genius born out of necessity. Yeah, totally. You know? That's crazy. Uh, and so, how was your experience at Half Step? I imagine it's quite wonderful working with those guys. Like the only in the well, the first ice program really. Yeah. In Austin ever. Definitely. Learned, I would never, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world because yeah. I learned so much. Did Chris ever not wear those glasses? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Chris is such an enigmatic guy when, yeah. when he has those things on. I think that he just wants to always maintain that element of mystery. Which That's is right. It's, it's hilarious. I love it. It's like wearing a hat or wearing a mat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love it because it's so character actor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just this kind of one relic that they're going to always have and it's going to always like define them in their their iconography and like how they are interactions it's it's pretty good man and it's so so i am curious though so i've i've seen your dad very very present like very influential like how did your mom feel about you getting into if she had any feelings at all about you getting into the the service industry and still having your degree you've got in your back pocket so you mm-hmm. can always go back to it if you exactly need to. Yep. but you're building all this progress and this momentum in the service industry did, she, did you guys ever talk about it yeah she i'm um, she 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 served in in college and stuff. Oh so yeah, she'd been in and she had been in the industry and so she knew. knows it a, knows it was a good one. My actually, my father I don't think ever had been. Yeah. So it took him a little longer to really be like, oh man, okay. I, I it's actually kind of funny. I think the uh, he realized that I would be okay at this. Mm-hmm. He came into Whistler's after I started working there. Right. Uh, probably I think the first time he had seen me bartend in a number of years or a number of what a year year now. Right. Right. That. And uh, we were getting our ass kicked. Lots, five deep kind yeah. of thing, yeah. Yeah, and he was just sitting there watching the whole time. And then at the end of the shift, he's like, Justin, you've gotten pretty good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, even I'm surprised yeah, myself, exactly. Justin. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was like, thanks. Yeah, you can see why I like it so much. Yeah. He's like, okay, I kind of get it now. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is before, like aha moment for him. Yeah, because before, I mean, like, spend that much money on a degree for someone and they're like oh i want to be a bartender like, right fuck off, kind of a man. slap in yeah, the face exactly. a little bit yeah uh but yeah that, but you i'm sure you know he he knew in the back of his head like you'd parlay that into something that is 
God forbid, financially viable. You know? Yeah. But turn it into something that is an idea and concept. Absolutely. Right. No, he was, he, you know, he was pushing me to pursue this bar product company. It's like, yeah. you know, this is the next step. This next step, you gotta, you gotta keep at it if you're right. gonna get out of bartending. And then finally, you know, I moved here. Uh, he saw that and he's like, okay, this, you're, okay, I guess this is this what you're good at. So yeah. let's, let's now figure out a way for you to, to do that. Cause successful people, you know, the one talent I think most successful people really have, and that is being able to identify people that are talented and keep them on staff. I think that's one of the key things that makes people successful. Absolutely. Is surrounding yourself by people that are better than you are. Couldn't agree more. You know? And even, I, so th- it doesn't explain why you've got Dennis on your team, but you know, <laughs> okay. Uh, so so how was the the bar bar five right yes yeah so that that is essentially as far as i see it academically the master's degree program or even phd degree program for spirits in preparation that is that a fair assessment say, yeah masters i mean they 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 fashioned it uh they wanted to be similar to the sommelier uh gotcha you know quartermaster sommelier so the uh, five-day program is now five day, thank you. the equivalent of, say, like the advanced certification, mm-hmm. uh, the third level. Um, so it's it's fairly intense. You know, they, they, it's it's five days, twelve hours a day. Yeah. Of, you know, they just beat your head with information about right. spirits and cocktails and history and best practices and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, the fifth day, you take a test, and it's it's a five-part test that's both. Uh, practical you have to make like i think six drinks in 10 minutes but they are throwing curveballs at you the whole time right they're judging your you know how well you handle you know etiquette you know being professional soft skills and exactly stuff, right? yeah. yeah i mean if if they're marking you down for the smallest little things and you have to pass that if you don't pass that you don't pass the class i mean gotcha. they're, they're looking for not only people that know what they're talking about that are educated but can actually hold themselves well in a in in a well yeah you know yeah, it's brilliant, uh, though. It's a brilliant yeah, mix. Absolutely. Anything really throw you for a loop? I suspect you overstudied and knew everything and were very prepared. But anything you can recall that was like, shit, that stumped me a little? Um, yeah, it, it was. It, I, honestly, I'd never deductively tasted spirits before. Oh, I never, okay. like, I you know, you can always kind of tell by looking at something or smelling something, like, oh, I think this is a brandy. Right. It's like, okay, well, what kind of brandy is it? Is it cognac? Is it armagnac? Is it yeah. American brandy? So that kind of thing was that a whole nother like, it layer. Took me four, yeah, it took me four days doing it every single. I mean, you taste 180 spirits yeah, throughout, throughout the four days. It's it's incredible, uh, but it took me till that last final day where it like clicked. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I think I'm ready tomorrow. But that whole week, I was shitting myself. Like, there's no way I'm gonna pass the deductive. The, I just imagine the the Rocky montage. Yeah. Right, like <laughs> you're not ready yet to fight Creed, yeah. Justin. But no, like you, all after all, everything's said and done. You passed. I passed. And you basically demonstrated some mastery of tasting, serving, talk, all of it. Yeah. I mean, how does that feel a tad bit validating or as we kind of discussed earlier, is that just like, cool, well, what's next? That's, that's the latter. Yeah. Forward, like, I that's, didn't a ma- that's a pretty great achievement. Did you have any time it to was, like, enjoy it? Uh, yeah. Well, so it's, so it's funny. On Thanksgiving Day, I got a call from uh, Dale DeGroff. Oh, wow. It woke me up, you know, got a call, yeah. saw a New York number because they had said, you know, it, it takes them about a month you to, t- you, to score it, to score that, everything. Yeah. yeah. There's 50 kids, 50, 50 students, not kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's five parts of this test. So they're doing, they have to grade 250 yeah. modules. And there's not, there's not a lot of judges. There's only what? Three five, five, five yeah. partners. Yeah. Six yeah. partners. Um, 
yeah, so I mean, they're that, that's what they're doing for almost a month straight, just grading these these tests, and then finally yes. around Thanksgiving time, they're like, yeah, you're gonna get start getting calls, you know, saying if you, you pass or not, and you yeah. start seeing on Facebook like I passed, and like, oh shit, I didn't pass. And, <laughs> yeah. So I got my call from Dale DeGroff at ten o'clock in the morning to wake me up on Thanksgiving Day, and it was like, uh, hey Justin, this is Dale DeGroff, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> hey what's up someone give me a cup of fucking coffee yeah, exactly. over here. uh i was like hi dale how's it going he's like it's going really well justin I just having a good thanksgiving yeah, dale? Exactly. how's it uh, meeting the family it was, i didn't i didn't know i was like what how's it going man yeah it was, it was the quickest convers- most to the point conversation ever he's just like just want to let you know that you uh, passed bar ready and uh, you had high marks in a lot of the categories have a great thanksgiving goodbye jeez yeah that's that's almost too succinct. I would have plenty of questions. <laughs> but Dale, do you think I'm good? Yeah, good exactly. Dale? <laughs> Which what, where did I do well? Yeah, that? exactly. So I came to find out I did really well on the written. Yeah, because I'm studious. And, sure, absolutely. Uh, you've got you've got training. You yeah, know, more or less. Um, but yeah, uh, I found out actually right after that that they sent out an email to the guys. I think the top top ten, top five or top ten get invited to the master's program. Oh wow. So that's the fourth. So that's like an undergrad that you completed and going to masters. Is that kind of pretty how it's much? Set up? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah. So it's the the, the master bar masters is they're trying to emulate the master sommelier. I see. Okay. So I'm still studying for that. You know, they, lot, what's the difference there in terms of what time commitment is it? Uh, like a year. Oh fuck! Wow, that's a lot. I mean, they they send you a bibliography of about fifty very in depth spirit and. Uh, bar books and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, like learn about wine, learn about beer, learn about everything. Every every single spirit. Because we better believe it that you're going to be better than a psalm. Totally, you better be. Yeah, because that's all they know. Like, I'm going to say it right now. I don't want psalms talking about spirits. Yeah, I don't want guys that are just in the spirits talking about wine. Yeah, although the latter is a little bit more common. Yes, and respectable. I agree. But yeah, there's something about that. Like, spirits are so different than wine, and yes, there are very similar techniques in tasting, obviously production it's really just the distilled wine in a lot of cases but there's this line of demarcation i really want to keep i don't know why i'm so yeah. rigid about that i'm 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 very much the same good all right yeah. very good very yeah. good so it's, how do, do you get like a specific suffix or anything next to your name no damn it no nothing I mean, you can put on a card uh I, yeah you probably do but i wouldn't i mean <laughs> well you're, you're too modest right? <laughs> for those that are less and more modest do do you see suffixes or anything there isn't the, like any well there's only one guy that's passed it so far Oh really? Uh, his name is Ryan. Maybe he lives in uh, Missouri. Oh yeah, sorry, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Um, is he the one doing gin with Nickel Tom Nichols? Possibly. There's a guy. Yeah, I, I just, hear about him. Jay Rieger. Yeah, I think so. Might be it. Yeah, I think he just came out with a gin. You may be very right. I think so. I think so. Although someone corrects me. If anybody listens to this, which yeah, maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no. Let me know. Cause I'm real curious because there is that guy that just started working with Tom from Tank as he quit so very, but but very possible that's him you ever met the guy yeah good he, guy he came into roosevelt room a while back oh cool i have he's a great guy um he you know i ask him questions about it all the time i'm like yeah man like yeah so the, the master's program not only do you have a big bibliography you're going to get tested on that right and it's not you don't like go into some place and you know sit down for four hours it's right. a take-home test oh it, really it's essay like jesus Ryan maybe wrote 60,000 words for his test. Yeah. Uh, you have a month to do it. So they're not, you know, they want you to write about the practical applications. Like if I have, you know, how do I make a 
if I have a pot still, mm-hmm. how do I alter it to like make it produce a continuous distilled spirit or something like that? We can talk if you want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just totally. Not good with metalworking, yeah. but I'll show you how to put those plates in there. If you want. I love it. There you go. But so, that's amazing. That's an amazing question. Totally. Theoretically. Yeah. So and, getting out of that and kind of finishing that program, and you said you're still studying for the master's, which, mm-hmm. which is great. I'm glad that it, it takes a good amount of time, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to do a thesis, too. So Do you have a thesis yet? Uh, they, it's either... They want you to either do like a uh, a book, uh-huh. uh, master cocktail list. Um, st- essentially, they just want you to better the industry in some way. So you can do a business plan for a bar, which is now what I'm what I'll be doing. Right, I'll be uh, revising our business plan for uh, De Rigueur, mm-hmm. the expansion mm-hmm. of Roosevelt Room into into De Rigueur. Um, and I was originally going to plan on doing the bar product bar tool company I was going right. to do. Um, but yeah, so you actually have to. You have to not only pass this test, but you have to do this thesis as well. So That's it's amazing. a two-part very... I think that I love that it's so studious. Yeah. I think a lot of people get away with not paying the proper dues in Absolutely. the service, and I haven't either. I mean, I'm just doing it on the one side with the distillation stuff, but going through a rigorous set of criteria and curriculums in order to learn and be um, enhanced, you know, yeah. uh, that en- enlightened, all that, by the curriculum. That's brilliant. And so it's really good to see. If, honestly, it's not a really big surprise you're doing it. <laughs> you of all people, you know. So the the uh, the man among men, Justin oh, Avenue. So you, I, you I'm know, the, I'm, I'm the boy still, man. I'm, I'm still. That, well, so that's, that's GQ cover gives you a tad bit of more maturity, frankly. May, maybe that's what it all. You know, I'm <laughs> usually the younger guy in, in any crowd, so right. I'm always trying to like work a little harder. Yes, to, I so. like that. That's good because normally that's what happens with the short guys on the basketball team, right? There you go, Muggsy Bogues. Totally, dude. Busted his ass at 5'4". 5'3". 5'3"? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> See? I'm not even that. I'm not that he was, he was tiny. Man. And he could yeah. dunk too, I think. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude's insane. Yeah. Man, 90s. Flash before my <laughs> eyes. But you, so you did Whistler. You did Half Step. You were working at Drinkwell for a bit. And ultimately, though, obviously you had your eyes set on having your own place. And I, I am curious if the board at Roosevelt Room does serve as a good skeleton for a thesis of master cocktails i mean i th- i think when they're thinking about master cocktails they're one like a thousand drinks thousand you know like how many are on the board now for 53 so that's pretty fucking that's a lot yeah it's 20, mean, 20 times less i <laughs> i honestly could have just done a master cocktail list because i had compiled one of it's about like five or six hundred drinks right now really um did you do but, it chronologically or by spirit or for the for my list yeah for your list just alphabetically it was just so it was just alphabetically no it was just like oh okay i was just studying off that you know i wanted to to not be caught off guard behind the bar so right you know it's 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 always a it's a humbling experience when someone comes in asks you for a classic cocktail and you're like i don't know what that is and i should know what that is because i've read that book and i just didn't i maybe glanced over or something like that you're like you don't so do you think that other people up to have the same standards with learning in the industry, uh, or let's just say in Austin in general, no, they don't. Why do you? Why? Why do you think that they? Austin's too laid back. Is that why? Yeah, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of really really great bartenders. Yeah, in this, absolutely. In, this, in the city, don't get me wrong at all, but right. I just think that the with how many bartenders are in the city, they don't take it as seriously as uh, because you know the majority of bartenders in this city are not life service industry people. Right. Maybe they want to be an actor or be a musician and they sure. have their band on the side and this is just something they want to do to make ends meet or whatnot. It's a, uh, what do you call it? A rebound. Totally. 
Whereas playing live don't work yeah. out. Yeah, I was working. I mean, working. whereas you know, people on the coast and you know, bigger cities, Chicago, New York City, mm-hmm. San Francisco, these guys know their lifers and the caliber of the, the average bartender in these major cities are better than the average bartender in Austin. Yeah, it's truly, it's just how it is. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and I, I don't get me wrong, Austin is growing. No, it's, it's great. Getting, it's growing, and I think that there's a level of maturity that's finally kind of surfacing up. Definitely. But it's got to be taught by guys like you, because who else are they going to learn it from? You know, I'm mean, not to say there aren't other good examples. Obviously, Chris is yeah, a great example. Absolutely, uh, a, a sage, a wise yeah, sage. Exactly. David Allen is even a great, great dude to kind of to teach down. But Definitely. so you know, I knew. I think I talked to Dennis probably a lot more during that period when you guys were forming the concept of Roosevelt Room, but it looked good, and I, you know, I got to step in there before it had opened, and you guys had acquired both the Madison spot, and then what was the other spot called before you guys changed the name? Soma, Soma Lounge. Soma Lounge, right? Yeah. And it's a two really nice spots, lots of square footage, and you currently are leveraging the Madison side, which if you're looking at the front of it, it's the left side of it. That's more for events, right? Yeah, we run it as a private event space, and then one night a week, it's a club. Okay. I mean, it's been a club for seven years. I'm just keeping it going. It's really funny, man. I had never had any club <laughs> club experience before. We're, you know, Dennis and I were, were, were always, you know, are joking around. It's like the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. We, it's never the it's never the the business we want to talk about. But right. At the same, but you know, time, it generates good revenue. Yeah, it's like the redheaded stepchild that is also a. a, a genius and working its ass off to exactly yeah help the family you know so it's fun it's so funny because the you think about the tempos of the two spots completely different right oh yeah one's transactional one's artistic in a sense yep um but it, do you have do you guys have any so you tell me because there's things that dennis had told me you talk about david Gore, this particular concept but roosevelt room officially opened when uh june 27th june 27th yes. and it's a Beautiful build out, great place to get cocktails because you obviously you and Dennis masterminds and you've got great staff. Great list of cocktails, lots of diversity, some specific originals that the there's the poet's muse. Is that mm-hmm. your yeah? That's my Cardi. Most of is that uh, right? This is Sapphire. Saf- Sapphire. So yeah. thank you, Sapphire. Yeah. Most imaginative, and that's what ended up getting you into GQ yep. with the larger spread, and then ultimately on the limited edition cover, right? Yes. So. We'll get back to Roosevelt Room in a second, but in terms of the competition aspect of it, what is the real benefit now to think about it, right? Because you've got a bar, you've got a great pedigree, you've got your undergraduate degree from bar five or Mm -hmm. five day, right? Mm -hmm. What do you particularly get out of the individual competitions now? Uh... Like what? What? What do I yeah, like intrinsically what, seek by competing? Yeah, just my comp- competitive nature. Is that right? Man. Yeah, <laughs> just want to win. Well, now I mean, before you know, it's I was wanting to compete because you get on the cover of GQ, you get yeah. a lot of publicity. It's finally right. some validation for everything that you've been working so hard on. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Unfortunately, there's not there's not a whole lot of quick ways to in, in the in a as a as a bartender, right. To uh, unless you you know do this bar master certification or you know right, bar five right. day or whatever, um, there's not a whole lot of like certified. Okay, you know your shit finally. Mm-hmm. But competitions are a great way to get that. You know, you're it's gotcha. you won this big thing. You must know what you're doing. It's good for the and brand I, of Justin. It's good for the brand of Roosevelt Room and your projects yeah, too, right? Totally. 
So this year, you know, I competed last year in the same competition. I got third overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just knew that going into it this year, I almost didn't compete because I was just too busy. Yeah. And then Dennis pulled me aside. He's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're like, you're the favorite this year. Right, you know? right. Uh, just, I, I, I didn't really, I lost by a point yeah. last year. Jesus. And there was a point separating first from third. Mm-hmm. You know, the second guy that got second, I lost by a half point, I think. Wow. Crazy. So this year, almost didn't compete. Finally got talked to him from Dennis. And it, it not only, you know, was it great to get on the cover of, this, of GQ and right. have all this publicity, but it was more for the bar and our staff, you know, because, gotcha. you know, these, we originally opened the Roosevelt room. We were open three days a week because mm-hmm. we didn't, there wasn't, we didn't have a money for a PR company. We didn't have enough money to, for inventory, yeah, right, you know? Right. So in six months, it's been crazy how, how quickly things have, how fast things are building. Right. You guys and, have a wonderful name, a Thrillist, I guess, named one of the best new bars like one of the most essential cocktail bars of 2015. I mean, it's got to feel pretty good that it ended up working out. It's in this, amazing. That sense, right? It really just came in the last three months, you know, yeah. since winning this, getting a lot of, getting a lot of publicity and people coming in more and then being able to, you know, afford more of these pieces of equipment and right, stuff like that, right. that we actually, you know, wanted, wanted, we didn't have freezers for the first three months, you know, okay. we didn't have, uh, yeah, we were, we were working out of this little like Maytag freezer, uh, for you know, freezing all our own yeah. large format ice and all this stuff. So, Jesus, uh, I mean, it's how quickly things have been going. It's really amazing. I wouldn't, I, I couldn't imagine, uh, I couldn't imagine it coming from anything else. You know, it's, it's yeah. the 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 sapphire thing was quintessential. And now the, I get it because at first I was like, well, I don't necessarily know what the play is strategically and still competing yeah. and still running the business. But now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, because honestly. When I think of any of the articles I read about you or the Roosevelt Room, they always note the, the most imaginative nature yeah. of your psyche. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Do you feel that imaginative just as a guy? No, I just think that I have, way, I, you know, I don't think I've, I've kind of, all right, let me backtrack. Sure. I've spent the last year as an owner and not as a bartender. Yeah. Uh, I work maybe a shift a week. Yeah. I feel rusty, honestly, just in my like creativity, creative juices, right, right, um, right now because my the majority of my time is spending answering emails and doing payroll and all right. that stuff, you know, the, the operational stuff. Just so I feel less creative than I was a year ago when I first thought of the drink that I ended up winning with. But do you think maybe it's nice though because it just kind of builds up and just explodes, yes. and then thus you have a pop hit, in your hands, <laughs> right? Top forty hit, top ten, yeah, just because you waited to write it. Yeah, it's interesting like that. But the unfortunate part is that now I need to go compete for the U.S. in like May or June. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm nervous because I don't, I don't feel like I'm at the top of my game right now. Yeah, uh, how do you so get there? I just I need to find the time probably after South by and just spend like two really solid months, like just R and D doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. So I don't want to go and make a fool of myself and the U.S. I don't, I don't suspect that would happen. <laughs> what do you? Because you have such a, like a culinary rooting in the cocktails that you make. There's so many food elements that are non-spiritous. Where does that come? Like, what, Do you have any kind of things that you look to as sources of inspiration for these ideas? Uh, anything. anything. I think anything can be a source of inspiration and, yeah. and like a, the, you know, a base concept for a cocktail. Right. Uh, I, I really like to use works of art and literature yeah. and stuff like that. You know, for, for my cocktail last year, I it was all based around the novel Moby Dick. Yeah. Um, 
the drink that got me to Las Vegas this year was all based around Van Gogh's Starry Night. Interesting. Uh, the cocktail that I won with was all based around haiku poetry. Right. So it, and I, I've. So why I've, are you still sing? Why are you still single? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, but no, I mean, you know, it, it, it's like I'm falling in love with you. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm getting married in April. But like, man, you know, Justin, he's he's got Van Gogh as a source of inspiration. <laughs> Herman Melville, like, he's well read. He's yeah. well studied. I'm, uh, I'm I'm actually in a relationship with two people right now. Good. One is called the Madison. One's called the Roosevelt. That's Rome. right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're they, giving you all kinds of different sass. I yes. Imagine. They're both very large. They take all my money and time and. Uh, just like a normal relationship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what do you see the Roosevelt room? You know, Dennis walked me through, so there's some plans for a kitchen. Are that is that all still in play? Oh yeah, definitely. So what what do you what are you the next two kind of milestones for the Roosevelt room? Um okay, well the first one is we will, We're going over the business plan right now. Yeah, just exactly <laughs> right. Uh well we want I mean the, the eventual plan is obviously day rigor. We're going to tear the wall down in between mm-hmm. the two. Make a, a large, large concept with a full restaurant. Yes. And, and up there, upstairs kind of like speakeasy thing. I, I wouldn't say speakeasy, but it is going to be the more uh, in-depth cocktail lounge. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Kind of like in a lot, you know, your, a lot of the New York cocktail bars that are mm-hmm. smaller are have the ability to have a bigger menu. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it's a very formal seating. You know, right, right. Probably have like... 50 to 75 seats oh, on cool. the second mezzanine. Sure. Uh, downstairs will be a full full restaurant um, with 10 to 15 drink cocktail list. Yeah. Something uh, simpler but still wine. elegant. Imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. What kind of cuisine you guys thought about it? Uh, at the end of the day, it does depend on the chef that we you know end up getting. Right. But uh, if you just had your pick, though, uh, it's our our view for the for the places to have like American like classic American dishes. Mm-hmm. Dishes that people are are comfortable with, know and love, but with you know subtle French influence. I see. Um, you know, de rigueur is obviously a French name. Sure. Translates to of rigueur is also a cocktail name. Of rigueur, yeah. Yeah, it's you know it's it's used in in modern day uh, English as a term to mean like necessary according to like form, fashion, or etiquette. Interesting. Okay. Which is very applicable to a restaurant of, world. Yeah. You know? Well, and lots of things between you and Dennis personally too. Yeah. Just being up to date and and of the times and all that. Definitely. So exactly. what, what's the timeline if you guys have it? Um, I think that we're going to finally uh, revise the business plan and seek uh, external investment yeah. for the larger concept. You know, the, the Roosevelt Room was self-funded. Um, yeah. Just my my father, Dennis, and I. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll be seeking the, the larger investment. And then once we are able to secure that, we'll be doing, you know, then it's the kickstart to doing the plans, getting the permits and all that stuff. So that's realistically... I would say like late 2017. Killer. Yeah, I'm really excited about the concept. And yeah. Nestling myself up in a nice small <laughs> dark. I imagine it's going to be dark, the cocktail concept upstairs. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, big plans. Dennis is, I know, I'm always the detail guy. Dennis is the big dreamer. Yeah. And he's like, what if we did this? Like, well, that one. <laughs> no, worked. we can't have robots, Dennis. Yeah, God. exactly. <laughs> uh, but one of the ideas he did have was like, man, what if we put a patio on the roof? I'm like, Wow. That could be sweet. Certainly, especially since Hotel Vanzant's right there too, right? Yeah. Right right, kind of uh, at the back. Once you go out that back door, you can look straight to it. Is that right? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, What's the hotel that's real close? Oh, Zaza. Zaza. Yeah. There we go. There yeah, we go. yeah. So the Zaza's going to be right behind us. Right behind you guys. So, um, 
you know, we kind of want a, a differentiation of concept there too, or it's going to be, you know, restaurant with cocktails, like mm-hmm. a, you know, a restaurant bar. Yeah. And then second level is cocktail bar. And then the upstairs patio is like, you know, your, um, your, your quintessential Austin. Yeah. Night patio kind of that has yeah that has like amazing drinks as well so three three tiers almost literally yeah three yeah. tiers different we want every single one of them to have a different feel yeah um they're each gonna have a different bar manager you it's know, amazing it's, we're gonna treat them like three separate entities under one roof that all are tied together with our you know standards and and you know how we train our bartenders sure. and stuff and aesthetic too i'm sure absolutely the beginning of your legacy. <laughs> well, so let's take a moment to to discuss the bottle that you picked. Everybody's got their interesting personalities that they pick via bottle. Mm-hmm. And I like that you picked the 1973 Marie Defoe Armagnac at 43% ABV, 86 proof. And this is distilled in 73, 30 years in oak, I believe it says. Yeah. And I get... Shit, man, it's just deep. It's it's a it's really, really deep nice. Armagnac. What do you think? I uh, mean, I'm I'm a I'm French. Yeah, I like French brandy. Oh, La Venue, La Venue. Oh, yeah. there we go. My uh, my family's actually of uh, um, they moved from La Rochelle, which is actually in Cognac. It's oh, no like kidding. The very very most western tip of the Cognac region. Oh shit. Do you do you know if Cognac people fight with Armagnac people? Uh, I think that they like a fuck you. you know? yes. <laughs> it's like yeah, the the cognac people are those fucking hillbillies, and then the you know the the Armagnac people are like those those fucking aristocrats or whatever. Really? You know? so, yeah, you know the the majority. Well, a lot of the the Armagnac that's made is uh, the majority of it is actually kind of like mezcal versus tequila, right? You know, right. it's which it's, I'd love that dynamic yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So it's a very tangible. similarities yeah. and then, almost a classism to it yeah, yeah exactly like tequila is is a commercial product you know right. it's uh whereas mezcal is is made by these single villages and it's the same kind of thing like a lot of the armagnac you know there's like farmers it's their own little you know vineyard that they yeah. just make they, they 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 rent a still and there's like a traveling still between these like towns That's and so stuff amazing. And they'll just go and ever, after every harvest you know They'll they'll take their excess grapes or whatever, and they'll distill them, and then they'll have booze to drink for the next year. That's so cool. And a lot of these Armagnac houses actually go around and will, you know, buy up. It's almost like Del Maguey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll all have oh, big, big Armagnac houses. Okay. So, uh, and they'll just go to specific villages, more or less. Yeah, and then particular years, particular varietals. Which are, there's not a lot of discussion of varietals though. In, That's only three. Or so, four. Oh, it's four, four total. Yeah, oh, okay. four, four in Armagnac, three in in uh, Cognac. Cognac. Oh, interesting. Um, or main main ones main ones right uh you know really i think there's 11 10 or 11 in both both uh, that are that are that are allowed to be used the predominant ones but in order to carry its um the designation of its crew mm-hmm. uh, it needs to be uh the predominant need to be uh one of those Colombard, three fall blanche um uni blanc and baco a22 which is a hybrid great wow See, I love learning shit. That's the best part about this. I learned about people, and now I'm learning about grapes. There we go. It's fucking lot. Now I'm going to go dive into a big wormhole about grape varietals. I thought I knew it about agave, but now, now I'm done. I got to go to the next the next level. Yeah. So, but it, but it looks like everything is going very well. You're going to compete in the nationals for the Bacardi Most Imaginative. Excuse me, the Sapphire Most Imaginative. You've got Roosevelt Room going to expand to David Gore probably within the next 24 months. You've got a great education formally in academia in Colorado. You've got a good education for spirits with Bar Five Day. That's, that is the right name, isn't it? Yes. Okay. 
and you're going to pursue your master's there. So do you ever, the one thing I, I personally worry about is trekking along all these new kinds of achievements, whether they're academic, whether they're professional or uh, even personal, you know, but I feel like sometimes I don't take, and we talked touched on this just a little bit previously, but I don't take the proper time to sit back and just fucking reflect. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you make the right effort to say, okay, just let me stop for a second and realize that I'm not just your average guy. I have really worked hard to achieve these things and I should take a moment to reflect and enjoy it. Do you make that time for yourself? Um, I, I don't like to rest my laurels, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird though. It's a delicate balance between resting because I, I definitely get that. Like, yeah, but there's this opportunity. I'm chomping at the bit. But also saying if tomorrow it was all over, do I feel comfortable that I reflected enough on the things that I really did? The answer to that question is definitely no. No. Yeah. Think that'll I, change when you get older? I, th- I th- that's what I'm working towards. I think. Yeah. You know, I want to work. I want to work really hard while I'm young, so that by the time I'm 40, you'll 50, have laurels. Exactly. <laughs> I can, uh, and you I pointed can, to me when you said 50, like, oh, whoa, 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 no, I'm kidding. Whoa. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, but you're trying. Yeah. You know, I'm. I, I wanted. I want to just keep my head down and work as hard as I can while I'm young, while I, I still have the, the vigor to do so. Yeah. Uh, and then hopefully by, you know, in two decades from now, I can sit back a little bit and just be like, cool, I was, I had a really good ride, a really nice life. You know it's not going to be like that, though. Oh, man. You can't, you not. never can turn it off. Probably not. Either you're I mean, So maybe, maybe on like, when I'm on vacation, I guess. There we go. Like, this is great. That's okay. good. The t- phone is off. Yeah. The two-week vacation I take when I'm 50, I'll be able to sit back and be like, <laughs> two all weeks. right. Yeah. And fucking, what, yeah. 20 years from now? Like, what you think? Well, I, you've done really good work in a really short amount of time here. And, you know, everybody that I talk to, whether it's for the podcast, just personally, when we're talking about people that are just essential to the scene in Austin and nationally, everybody names names you, man. That's like, awesome. you've, you've built... Just a wonderful support system in Austin, but a lot of people that just respect the shit out of you. And I, I'm one of those people. Like you are, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of spirits. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of ingredients, and such an adept ability to balance that stuff out. Thanks, man. So it's been a pleasure. I'm so glad you came and chatted with me, man. And uh, I cannot wait to see what. And I say this, but especially. With you and fucking Dennis, I cannot wait to see what you guys do next. And if you could just do me one favor, get Dennis to get his ass in here. Yes, deal. He keeps putting it off, man. But anyway, thanks so much for chatting with me, Justin. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks Thanks so much, man. Well, the first of two interviews this week, which we're going to call the Roosevelt Room Week at Show to V. I feel pompous in saying it, but you know what? Justin Lavenue is an amazing subject. It was a great conversation and that poet's muse cocktail is just it's delicious it's it's invigorating it's confusing it's befuddling it's adventurous it's everything you could hope that a culinary adventure would be and because the roosevelt room is a beautiful spot and justin and dennis are two good friends we'll hear the upcoming conversation with dennis gobis this week as well so you guys got to stop by if you can, in town, out of town, whatever, make it a destination while you're in Austin, Texas. But no matter what you're doing on vacation, what cocktails you're drinking, what gin you're thinking about shooting down next, please keep thinking.